1 John chapter 4. We'll be, we'll be studying verses 9 and 10 this morning. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. May we pray. Gracious Father, may you open up our hearts and minds and understanding the Word of God. Shine into our hearts that we might see the face of Jesus Christ through the Word. In His name we pray. Amen. You know, I was reading, I was looking at verse 20 this morning. And we know that the Son of God is come and have given us an understanding that we may know Him. He's given us an understanding that we may know Him. And how do we come to know Him? Through the Scriptures. That's why it's important that we read and study the Word of God. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. Who is? Jesus Christ. And eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So, beloved, as we look into these things this morning, it's important. I can't emphasize enough. Read God's Word. That's how God teaches us and trains us and inspires us and lifts up our hearts and souls through the Word. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. God sending His Son into the world, you know, that shows you the distinction between the Father and the Son. The Father sent and the Son came. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the fellowship with God in John 1.1. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that God there is the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit make up the one true and living God. There's only one God. We may never comprehend the greatness of the Trinity, but it's revealed. The reason I believe it because it's revealed in His Word. God didn't say I'd have to understand it, but I do believe it because it's in God's Word. The origin of, God, of love is, is from God. All love comes from God. He's the source of love. And the manifestation of His love was Christ coming into the world. As we think about this personally, toward us, Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice the love there. Notice the love there. While we were yet sinners, we all were lost, undone, sinners before God, wicked, ungodly. But God, in spite of what we were, sent His Son, His love sent Christ forth. Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus toward us. Second Peter 3 9 said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, 
toward us. Now notice that. And what does he go on to say? Not willing that any of any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Those that are of his, his people. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. I like that phrase, Brother Dave. Beloved of the Lord. We are the beloved of God. We should be grateful that we've been chosen and was loved before God before time began. Because God from the beginning chose you to salvation. You didn't choose God. He chose you. Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. What a wonderful thought that is. I mean, we could preach a dozen sermons just on that text. Second Timothy 1.9, maybe a couple more on this one. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Works has nothing to do with salvation except the work of Jesus Christ. He worked for our salvation. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began. Now that's before you believed, that's before you was created, that's before you even had existence. God already had you in Christ, chose you, put you in Christ, had a purpose to save you, and He calls you by His grace. He saves us according to His own purpose before the world began. Now what glory can we get out of that? Nothing. Because God sent His only begotten Son into the world. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift of all the things that the Father has done. Nothing greater could have been done than to send His only begotten Son into the world to save sinners. Sinners. Wicked, ungodly, deserving hell. He died for the ungodly. He died for wickedness. He died for sins. As we read the Word of God, we see He died for sinners. It says, Lord, she's a sinner. He died for adulterers. He died for fornicators. He died for murderers. He died for thieves. He died for liars. He died. If He hadn't died for these sins, none of us would have it. We wouldn't be saved if He didn't because we all are guilty. You know, Paul says in one verse over there, and such were some of you. I thank God that he died for sinners because that included me. It says in Luke 7, 12, this word only begotten. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. That's how it's translated. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow and much people of the city was with her. And then Luke 842, it speaks about, for he had only, he had one only daughter. That's the same word used there, begotten. And then in Luke 938, it's translated, is my only child. Then John uses this phrase in John 114, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the, as of the only begotten son of the father, the only begotten. Now you and you're either created or adopted to be sons. Christ is the only one. He's a unique one. He's the only son. It's called the only begotten son. 
Now we know that He's from eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's before all things, and by Him all things consist. So we know that Jesus is eternal, and He's the eternal Son of God. He was not created because He created all things. He was not adopted. He's God's Son. In His nature, He has the very essence of God. We don't have the essence of God in the sense that Jesus does. He is God. He shares the same nature as God does. So he, he is he's the unique, only begotten Son of God. That, that is really precious. In John in 4, 9, he says, And in this was manifest the love of God toward us, because God sent His only begotten, His only Son that shared His nature into the world that we might live through Him. He came for a purpose. He came for a purpose that we might live. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. He didn't try to give us life. He gave us life. He came for what purpose? That we might live through Him to give us life. That verb, live there, implies that those to whom the Son was sent were in a condition of spiritual death. We were dead in trespasses and sins. He came to change that, to translate us out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son by giving us spiritual life, the new birth, being born again. And His mission was to impart this life to us. This life only occurs through him, since he is the true and only mediator, agent between God and man, First Timothy two five. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. When we read the Word of God all through the Scriptures, it speaks about having eternal life. Eternal life. It's only in Christ that we have eternal life, brother Dave. The love of God has been manifested not only in the incarnation, but in the object that we might live through Him. To live, to live. The whole object of the incarnation was the bestowal of life upon those who were dead. Jesus says, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I'm come that they may have life. He came to give life to those God gave Him. And He hasn't lost none, not one. Paul says, Christ lives in me, and I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died and gave himself for me. What a blessing that is, beloved. And also in 1 John, it speaks about this in verses 11 through 13. And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. You say, do I have eternal life? If you have Christ, you have eternal life. It's that simple. He that hath the Son hath life. That's the Word of God. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of Jesus, the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And then we read this verse earlier. Verse 20 of chapter 5, And we know that the Son of God has come, hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him 
that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. It says in Colossians, when Christ shall appear, when our light Christ shall appear, we shall appear with Him in glory. He is our life. When Christ, our life shall appear. Oh, beloved. Then we come down to verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now this is a big subject. This is what this whole plan of salvation is all about. And it comes down to this word here, propitiation, which involves the whole purpose of salvation. And again we see, it wasn't our love that sent the Lord, it was God's love. Jesus didn't come into the world to cause God the Father to love us. He didn't go to the cross to die and pay for our sins so the Father would love us. It's because God the Father loved us, He sent His Son. Now the love of God is manifested in the incarnation, but it's demonstrated in the atonement, in reconciliation on the cross. And when you think about God, some people think God is a responder. You you do something, He'll do something. If you'll believe, He'll save you. But God is the initiator. He's the one that makes the first move, not you, because you're dead in trespasses and sins. The dead man can't do anything but sin. Jesus says, you will not come to me that you may have life because you'll love darkness rather than light. People born of the world, born in sin, born lost, beloved, have no desire for God. So God is the one that makes the initial move. He regenerates God's people, gives them a new heart, a new nature, so they hear the gospel, they can believe it. Oh, beloved, it's all God has everything under His control. And as we think about this, but He became the propitiation of our sins by shedding His blood, His own blood, for the remission of sins. If you think about propitiation in the Old Testament, the priest would take an offering and sacrifice that offering to make atonement for the sins of the people. Now Jesus is called in this verse, the propitiation. What does that mean? Why did God put a definite article in front of propitiation? Showing that Jesus is the sacrifice. The propitiation is Jesus. He offered himself the sacrifice. He didn't offer a lamb. He didn't offer something else. He offered himself. He, Christ, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Oh, how we should love Him. Do you know without this atonement, without reconciliation, without the propitiation, beloved, we could have no fellowship in the church of God. We could not have fellowship with the Father. We could not have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We could not enjoy the things of God because without the propitiation, without Christ's sacrifice, none of this would ever happen. We owe so much to the Lord. Now, as we think about propitiation, I want to go over some terms with you so you get a better understanding of these things. 
Christ is our surety in redemption. Hebrews 7.22 and Hebrews 13.20. He's our surety. He's, he's the one that took our place. He stood in our, in our stead, in our place. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. There was a covenant between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was sent and purposed in the covenant to die and redeem God's people. Christ suffered as a substitute or surety for another in our stead. Oh, beloved, that's, that's a wonderful thing to think about. So we see the word redemption means to buy out of the slave market, never to return again. A sacrifice. A sacrifice viewed from the perspective of guilt. When you think about a sacrifice in the Old Testament, where there was sin involved because they're offering a sacrifice. The first couple that sinned was Adam and Eve. Then what did God do? He sacrificed to clothe them. So their sin, sinfulness, it reminds you of their sinfulness. Christ giving himself as a sacrificial offering. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Purged out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. He became the propitiation for you and me. The sacrifice. God let put him on the altar to die. He came to die. For that purpose, I came into the world, he says. And he said, the scriptures must be fulfilled. Beloved, he came to die in your place and in my place to redeem us, to buy us, to purchase us, and to give us that life. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then Ephesians 5, 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also have loved us. And have given himself for us. He gave what? He himself. One author says, what more could he give than himself, Brother Dave? He gave his all. He gave himself just as a sacrifice. A sacrifice to be, go under the most unbelievable punishment that any man has ever been under. And he came under the wrath of God, which we can, we pray that we never understand that. He bore he, the wrath of a holy God in his body and soul, because he loved you and I with so much love. And giving himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to a God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Oh, beloved, God was satisfied. The word propitiation means to uh, satisfy. He satisfied the justice of God. God is called the just, and the just want to forgive us our sins. He's just because... He didn't overlook sins. He imputed them to His Son. Every sin that you've ever committed and ever will commit was imputed to Christ on the cross. It says propitiation for our sins, plural. It does make a difference. Every sin has to be dealt with. And thank God that Christ died for every sin that we ever commit. We don't have to face the judgment with that sin. Propitiation for our sins. And Hebrews 9.26 says, For then must he offer to have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared 
For what purpose? To put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. He put away our sins. They're remembered no more against us in the final day of judgment. But that doesn't mean that we can get away with sin. God says, whom He loves, He chastens. Every son and every daughter. So when we don't, when we're disobedient to God, God knows how to deal with each one of us. But the thing that should turn our hearts is, you know, this, this has been true in my life when I realized, why am I sinning against such a wonderful Savior? Who loved me so much? Why am I taking out my frustration on the Lord? Why am I sinning against Him who's done so much for me? That happened to me, literally. When I got away from the Lord when I was young and I was sitting there one day and I said to myself, why am I taking it out on the Lord? The Lord done everything for me and He loved me and He still has never forsaken me. And the next week I went back to the house of God. And I'm grateful that God showed me His love in such a way that He loved me in spite of myself, in spite of what I am. I wasn't lovable. But he still loved me the same. God's love doesn't change. That's one wonderful thing about God's love. He loves us no matter what we do. Now, he's not pleased with our sins, but he loves us. What a wonderful Savior we serve. Propitiation is from the wrath of God. It says uh, in Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. And then in 1 John 2.2 it says, and He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He died for Jew and Gentile alike. In the Jews' mind, he, they only thought salvation was for the Jews. But John is showing in the epistle that salvation is for Jews and Gentiles. Thank God it was, or we wouldn't be here. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. means to pacify, judicial wrath of God. See, we came under the, uh, under the judicial wrath of God in Adam when Adam sinned. God's law was broken and God demands justice. God demands he be cursed. Man is cursed and he was cursed in Adam because we sinned in Adam. So Jesus, by his sacrifice, by his propitiation, satisfied, pacified the, the law of God. It must be God whom the propitiation is made in our stead. He propitiate the wrath which we was our damnation. Propitiation viewed from the perspective of wrath. You know, Paul speaks about us. Uh, well, I'm going to read that verse in a minute. Uh, Isaiah 53, 10 said, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Father to bruise his only son. That word bruise means to crush. You know how they used to take corn and they would crush it with a grinder? That same word is used about Christ. It pleased the Father to crush His Son at Calvary. And He cried out. It was so so much agony. He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because of our sins, Brother Dave. Our sins 
is what crushed the Lord Jesus. Because he bore in his body our sins in his body on the tree, Peter says. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It did prosper. He shall save his people from their sins. He is past tense. We have been saved, beloved. Hallelujah. And this is the verse I was going to quote earlier, Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. And remember, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness, no remission. We shall be saved from wrath through him. See, God looks at us now, he's satisfied. Because Christ bore our sins, paid the debt, and God accepted it. How do you know he accepted our sin debt through Christ? One of the greatest evidences is because of the resurrection. When Jesus came out of the grave, it was a evidence to the world that the Father accepted his sacrifice. And then he was ascended up into heaven and setting at the right hand of God, showing that his sacrifice completed and that he saved his people and there's not, there's no wrath against us anymore because it was poured upon Christ. What a wonderful Savior we have. How we need to rejoice this morning in so great salvation. Beloved, these are things that should make us excited. I want to know more about this. I want to experience these things in my life. I want to read more about this. That's why we have these pamphlets made out for you to study, to read, to get more into the Word of God and meditate upon these things. Sermons Audio, you can go to Sermons Audio and listen to the sermons that Dave preaches. Roger preached and I preach. You can listen to them over. Download them to your phone and listen to them anytime you want to through Sermons Audio. they got an app. You can download it from Apple Store. And you can listen to the sermons of the other preachers also. Brother Zach, Brother Jimmy, Brother Hatfield, other the brethren, Brother Ray Harger. In his suffering as a sacrifice, shedding his blood, and giving his life, he pacified the law giver and his justice. I want to read that to you again. In this suffering as a sacrifice, shedding his blood, not the blood of animals or goats now, he shed his blood. Acts 20, 28 or 38 said it's the blood of God. Him being God and man is the blood of God. It's called the blood of God because the human nature belonged to him. Shedding his blood and giving his life, he gave his life. As he said, what more could he give than his life? He laid down his life, his very soul and being, his existence. He, he died, humanly speaking, in his human nature that we would be saved from the wrath of God. He pacified, made satisfaction to the law of God. That's what propitiation means, beloved. The propitiation. He was the sacrifice. Keep this in your mind. He's my sacrifice. He died in my place. He died for me. He died to satisfy the law of God against me. Therefore, there's now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Why? He bore that condemnation in his body on the tree. Reconciliation is from alienation. We were alienated from God. We're born into the world, strangers to God, in the world... Without God and without hope in the world, it says in Ephesians. That's the condition of every one of us. 
Christ came back to reconcile God's people back to the Father, legal, legally, judicially. And God's love never changed. He don't change. God's love isn't one from hate to love, from love to hate. Judicially and legally, we came under the wrath of God. But God's heart, that love has never changed. He loved us, but justice had to be met. Someone had to fulfill the law, and God's purpose was that a substitute would die in our place that we wouldn't be condemned with the world. It says in Romans 5.10, or if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. But did He say, because I live, you shall live also. Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me died and gave himself for me. That's how we live today. We're living by the resurrection life. Read Romans 6. David, Brother Dave brought a message on that one Sunday on Romans 6. That's a beautiful chapter on the resurrected life. Here's a quote. The person to whom Christ offered himself as a sacrifice is reconciled, which was not man, but God. He was offered himself to God the Father. We reconciled to God. God in this affair is to be considered as the judge, insisting on plenary satisfaction to his law and justice, which being given, he hath no further demand to make, and therefore is most properly and, and said to be appeased or reconciled to sinners. Because of what Christ done, he's not going to be double jeopardy, jeopardy. He's not going to charge us twice for sin, put them on Christ, and then charge us. Beloved, we've been delivered from the wrath of God. Hallelujah. Reconciliation is not a change in the heart of God. From an angry disposition to a friendly affection as in man, but is a full and proper satisfaction to his violated law and defended justice. It's the judicially, legally thing that Christ took care of. And God is just in forgiving us our sins because God said, forgive one another for God and for Christ's sake forgiven you. And that needs to be practiced today among a lot of family members. A lot of people. It's amazing how many families are having problems in these areas. They need to learn to forgive one another. But we all need the grace of God. It is declared, declared if it con, it's concerned with judicial relations. The word of reconciliation is the message of the gospel, the proclamation of what God has done in Christ once and for all. Now, when we preach, the word of reconciliation, listen, is the message of the gospel, the proclamation of what God has done in Christ once and for all. That's what this is all about. What God has done in Christ, He sent His Son into the world to be a propitiation for our sins and he did, once he gave himself a sacrifice, it was once and for all. Read the book of Hebrews. It speaks about it. He offered himself once and for all for our sins. One time. Never to be repeated. That's why the so-called mass is a, is, is a blasphemous before God because they say every time they have the mass, they're re-crucifying the flesh of the Son of God. He said he suffered once and once and for all. Never to be repeated, repeated again. 
Beloved, if we go by the Word of God, we can save ourselves from a lot of foolishness that's being taught in the world by false religions. So reconciliation is a proclamation of His reconciliation action and cannot be constructed as a change in our hearts. What He done on the cross will make a change in our heart. Only the new birth can do that. We're born again. That's what makes a change in our heart. Redemption from bondage to which sin had consigned us in terms of a ransom. This is all included in propitiation. The word reconciliation. The word redemption, which means to buy out of the slave market. Now we see the word ransom and we see the word bondage. We were in bondage and we were in sin. And there had to be a ransom price paid. And you buy something out of the, out of, out of bondage, out of the, uh, pawn shop, you have to put down a money, uh, earnest money to get, and then you get it back. If you don't, you lose it. Well, Jesus is the ransom price for our sins. To purchase, to redeem by ransom. God didn't just overlook our sins and forgive us. No, there had to be a price paid. It was, and it's, it was the blood and sacrifice of Christ. First, He saved us from sin. Colossians 1.14, Ephesians 1.7. He saved us from guilt and defilement. Oh, the guilty conscience, He'd saved us from that. Titus 2.14. From the law's curse, being made a curse for us. It says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ was cursed for you and I. He bore our curse that was due to you and I. He saved us from the power of Satan. He broke that power Satan had. We're not slaves to sin any longer like we were. We were in total bondage to the devil before. Redemption is that of securing release by payment of price. Let me read that to you again. Redemption is that of securing release. We were released in God the Father's sight by the payment of that price. There's no more, there's nothing against us anymore, Brother Dave. Thank God. To describe the tremendous and inexhaustible reality of the great work of reconciliation, the Bible uses many forms of expression. It was an act of redemption in which the pre, the price paid by another and finally by God himself was the precious blood of Christ. Salvation is not cheap. Oh, it's by grace. It don't cost nothing. Yes, it costs Jesus everything. He suffered the wrath of God. He so, he took our place. He bore our curse and he shed his blood and he poured out his life unto death. He gave up his physical life to save you and I. No wonder Paul says, isn't it reasonable that we present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, which is a reasonable service? The one who's done so much for you and I, isn't it reasonable that we serve Him faithfully, honestly? Oh, beloved. It was an act of conquest in which the powers of evil, that is sin, Death, the devil, and hell were overthrown by the sacrifice and purpose of Christ. Christ conquered the devil at the cross. It was an act of sacrificial propitiation in which 
in which the pleasing self-offering of the innocent was accepted representatively for the guilty. He died as our substitute. We can truly say that as the elect of the living God, we have been actually purchased by His blood. We have been purchased. Not going to be. We've been purchased. Now here's the, in closing, I want to say these few thoughts to your mind. This means we have actually been redeemed by blood. Not going to be redeemed. Some people say, well, you'll be redeemed when you believe. Beloved, if you hadn't been redeemed before you believe, you'll never believe. When Christ died on the cross, he, his sin, uh, blood was shed. At that time point, beloved, our sins were washed away in the sight of God forever. We have actually been reconciled to God, Romans 5.10. We were reconciled by the death of Christ, by the shedding of His blood. We reconciled to God's justice and law. We have actually been justified by His blood, Romans 5.9. We are actually sanctified by His blood, Hebrews 13, 12. By our sins being actually washed away by His blood, Revelation 1, 5. Who, he washed us from our sins in His own blood, Revelation 1, 5. You say, when did that happen? It happened at Calvary, not when you believe. That's when it's manifested to us that our sins have been washed away. There is when it's manifested that we have been reconciled. We have been justified. We have been set apart. Beloved, it's, it's revealed to us that we've been saved by the grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks to God in Christ who actually bought us with a price. God says that we're to present our bodies the living sacrifice to God because He purchased us our bodies with His own blood. Own blood. Beloved, this is just a, uh, there's so much can be said on propitiation, redemption, reconciliation, a ransom. Christ is everything. When you see Christ, you see it all. But study these things. Meditate upon these things. What a blessing it to be to you, beloved. When you think about what Christ has done for you and I, He was the propitiation for our sins. May we give Him the praise. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the message. May You bless it as we think about that this week. And we give You the honor and praise. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen.